Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all wisdom and knowledge. Welcome to The Reconciled Mind, the podcast where faith, science, history, archaeology, and personal testimony come together to reveal the full image of the invisible God. Each and every week on the Reconciled Mind podcast, we aim to bring you engaging content in order to encourage good discussion within the Church of Jesus Christ today on various issues that are present in our society. And the opinions that are expressed in this program are owned solely by those said individuals who express said opinions. And we also just want to share what the Lord put on our heart each and every week as inspired by the Word of God. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to a very special episode of The Reconciled Mind. I apologize that it's been so long since my last episode, but there's been so many things going on, and God has been so good. Um, As many of you already know from my last episode that I just recorded um, regarding uh, UFOs and the Christian perspective, I actually just uh, graduated from my ministry internship program, and I passed the exam to officially become the rank of an ordained minister in the Church of God. So I've been studying intensively on that. So that's why I haven't been broadcasting for the past number of months. So, But it's good to be back. And today we have a very awesome show for you because uh, today we're actually going to be talking about the events of what happened at the Travis Scott concert in Houston, Texas. And we're also going to be talking about the issue of racism within the white evangelical church today so today i actually have a very special guest with me i have my good brother and best friend uh cecil rhodes um cecil how you doing i'm doing good about you doing good doing good cecil's been my best friend for a a number of years of course my, my wife is my ultimate best friend of course but cecil's my best friend who's not my wife of course so nothing crazy going on there but We've been friends for years. Uh, we love playing the game of chess, and we we just enjoy talking about the Lord. And I believe that um, since my friend Cecil is actually black, I figured his perspective is going to be very insightful um, with our discussion today. So it's going to be a very awesome show. So Cecil, are you excited for today's program? Oh yeah, I'm excited. All right. Very good. Very good. So in the next segment, we'll actually begin by talking about the Travis uh, Scott concert that happened in uh, Houston, Texas. So you don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. So in today's show, we're going to be talking about racism in American evangelical Christianity and the and the unfortunate tragedy that happened at the Travis Scott concert. But um, we're going to begin with talking about the Travis Scott concert first. Uh, So for those of you who may have not have heard of the name Travis Scott before uh, to kind of fill you in, he's a. Um, a black rapper who actually had a concert over in Houston, Texas. And there was a series of unfortunate events that happened that actually resulted in the deaths of eight people at the concert. And 
hundreds of others were actually injured and some are still in the hospital as we speak. So, um, so Cecil, you said you wanted to talk about this. So tell me what, uh, what drew you, uh, to this subject that you wanted to discuss today? What was it about it? Fill us in if you would. Okay. Well, first, thank you again for uh, having me on and, uh, congratulations on being, uh, ordain on uh on being a full minister Thank you. um you're welcome uh as far as like the travis scott concert um i thought it was important that to uh let everybody know especially in the uh especially to the uh families uh their loved ones went to that uh concert not knowing that it was going to be our last and i just want to say to the uh to the families uh like you have our uh, condolences, you're in our thoughts and prayers. We're praying for you, and uh, you know what happened at the at, happened at the concert shouldn't have happened. Those nine people should definitely still be alive, and uh, we're just praying for a speedy recovery for those that are, that are injured, still alive, but just like trying to process what happened. And uh, there is a lot, there is a lot of talk going on, especially on the radios about about the about what happened and uh who's held liable and uh what should happen from there sure that's very um understood so uh first if it wouldn't be uh too much of an issue i would like to first uh just say a a prayer for the victims and their families and everybody who is involved and impacted by the tragedy would you uh pray with me cecil yeah all right, uh, Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you uh, for this time that we can spend together just discussing um, issues that are impacting your church today. Lord, we just pray that the, you bless this conversation that we're having today and that anybody who's listening to this, Lord, that they'll be blessed as well. But Lord, right now, we just want to pray uh, for everybody who is impacted by the tragic events at this concert, Lord. I just pray that those who are impacted are fully healed, Lord, emotionally and physically. And God, I just pray that those that are in the hospital, that you lay your healing hands on them as well. I just pray that your light shines on them, Lord. And I just pray that um, Travis Scott, Lord, that if he doesn't know you, Lord, I just pray that he uh, comes to salvation in you uh, during this experience. And I just pray that others who don't know you, Lord, that they're drawn closer to you um, through these tragic events. And Jesus, I just pray that your name is magnified above all. And I just pray that your light shines, Lord. We just uh, give it all to you. And we just want to see your will be done, Lord. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, yes, uh, the Travis Scott um, concert, when I was researching it, it, it was so tragic i can't believe that eight people are and probably counting lost their lives um just by what was it basically a massive stampede that happened when uh people are trying to get closer to the stage is that correct yeah i think that's what uh i think that's what uh people were trying to do they were trying to get closer to them well, I think if I read um, my sources correctly, I believe that um, Travis Scott was actually um, encouraging people to come up close to the front. And then he wanted to see people start getting more energetic and becoming more involved. Did you see anything in what you heard or came across that in terms of your sources? Um, 
maybe a little bit. Um, I just uh, like like I said before, I just heard that uh, like because at first I thought like something like of course something did happen at the Travis Scott concert. I just wasn't expecting that. You figure like fifty thousand people, everybody's there to have a good time, like uh, like their behavior is within reason, but. It's not very often that you hear like some like uh, everybody trying to get closer to Travis Scott. Then like uh, you got like a handful of people like pushing on the gate and like trying to climb up on stage, which is not smart at all. Um, I, I would agree. Yeah, but uh, as far as like how or why it happened, um, not yet. I just know that. Uh, it's going to uh, take investigators a while to figure out like what really happened since you got like over 50,000 people there. And when you got 50,000 people, you're going to have 50,000 stories. So that's a lot, that's a lot of time and resources to, uh, for them to go through. Yeah, I know that, that is not going to be easy to really uncover or examine what really happened at the concert. Um, I do know from what I read that apparently in the middle of the concert that um, he did see the um, an ambulance coming through the crowd. And he's like, hey, hey, there's an ambulance in the crowd. And then he was trying to direct their attention, the crowd's attention to what was going on. And then. I think he noted that people were hurt and vice versa, but it was, I just can't believe it just seemed to happen so fast from what I was reading. And I mean, I can't explain the feeling of loss that these families may be experiencing that, you know, just like you were saying that they weren't expecting to be their last day on earth, but they were going to see a concert and have a good time. Um, so if if Travis Scott did call um the crowd to come forward and then basically get more in, involved and basically engage in a, a type of mosh pit do you think that people might have a case to be able to possibly sue him I think so yeah I know uh I know there's going to be some families out there like demanding answers and possibly looking to sue them. But uh, even they even they were to win, like legally in the civil suit, they would win. But no amount of money is going to bring back their loved ones, even if they were to win or if they were to lose. No amount of uh, lawsuits would bring their uh, loved ones back. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Nothing we can do will ever bring somebody who has tragically died back from the dead, unfortunately. And I remember actually reading another article where um, apparently um, Travis Scott actually opted not to um, engage in another um, couple concerts that were coming up over the course of the next week. Like, he actually... Um, opted to cancel the other concert coming up in Houston. And he 
gave full refunds to everybody who bought a ticket. And I even heard that he was going to offer to cover the costs of the funeral expenses for the victims. And then he was going to offer to pay for counseling services for those who were impacted by the tragedy for a month. What do you think about that? That's, that's very, that's, that's very good on his end. Uh, I admit, I definitely, I definitely wasn't expecting that, but uh, even, uh, even as like, even as God would say, don't, uh, don't judge a book by, don't judge a book by its cover. So it just shows that uh, there's more than him that meets the eye. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human and we do make mistakes. Yeah. But he's willing to uh, do everything he can for them. And, uh, and uh, it's good that uh, he's going to cancel his uh, concert. So that way he can focus on like being there for his, uh, for his fans, especially in this uh, time of need. Um, so in relation to this concert, um, surprisingly, I actually remember hearing in another podcast where there was some satanic conspiracy theory being propagated on TikTok and YouTube. Um, have you heard anything about that? I mean, isn't that kind of crazy? That is that is kind of crazy. But at the same time, like in this day and age, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, I um it it's just a kind of crazy, but um I was researching the background behind that and apparently some people think that the events of this con concert were purposely orchestrated as a satanic sacrifice with those people whose lives were lost just to appease Satan's wrath or something like that or as an act of devotion and worship to him. I think that's an absolute load of nonsense and there's not a shred of evidence to support it whatsoever. I mean, what were your thoughts when you first heard about that? My thoughts initially, I thought... Uh... Like if there is a conspiracy theory, we would have we they definitely would have mentioned on the news, TikTok, YouTube, but it's like you said, it's definitely a load of nonsense. Now, if it was if uh, Lil Nas X was there performing, then I definitely would believe it. But uh, at a Travis Scott concert, like with the conspiracy theories and all, like no, that. That doesn't make sense. If it was, like I said before, if it was Noah Moss X, that would make a lot of sense. Well, I was actually reading a um, a very interesting uh, article from, I believe it was an insider um, an insider dot com article where it talks about how um, this satanic ritual conspiracy theories probably had their really the claims go back to the satanic scare of the um, 80s and 90s, if I'm not mistaken, but, or it may have actually been, been in another article. I can't remember which article I found it, but there was a very um, significant um, stigmatism in the 80s and 90s attached to um, the thought that, those who were engaged in the gothic lifestyle were Satan worshipers and they and people were going paranoid across the spectrum just to 
be uh, to uh, address the matter to get it um out of our culture and different things like that do you remember uh coming across anything in that regard during that time in our history in the 80s not that much only because like you know in the 80s i was like if we're talking like mid 80s i was if we're talking like 86 through like 89 no because i was like that young from the 90s um maybe a little bit but it wasn't until like 2000s was when i saw like uh like goth like like people like dressed up as like like got like wearing goth gear um listening to heavy metal uh heavy hard rock that sort of thing so i think for me it wasn't until like uh around 2002 when i was a freshman in high school was when i really uh like saw uh, people dressed like in gothic gear uh and, like in the 90s sure. not so much because like i know i didn't uh like i didn't see it at the time like maybe maybe in movies but uh not until uh 2002 no that that's fair i mean i've seen it I saw a lot of uh, gothic counterculture um, elements when I was in middle school in particular. Um, there was actually a really interesting case uh, focused on three individuals that were commonly known as the West Memphis Three from the 90s. Um, a Vox.com article actually... Um, kind of chronicled this a little bit where three teenagers were wrongfully convicted on homicide charges that were just based a bit more on the suspicion of their gothic lifestyles so they were merely asserting that because they were engaged in a gothic lifestyle that they were satan worshipers so um do you think that the conspiracy theory of this concert and the events that happen at this concert being engaged in Satanism. Do you think that this conspiracy theory is related to that satanic panic scare going on in the eighties and nineties, or do you think that it might be rooted in something else? That's a good question. I think it might be, uh, I think it might be rooted into something else, although I don't know what exactly, but I think it might be rooted into something else. Sure. And if you ask me, I were to I would probably say that it's probably linked somehow to the uh, satanic scare of the 80s and 90s, because when it comes to um, we as the church in general, there's always been a particular emphasis or focus on um, spiritual warfare and combating the occult and and new age philosophy and stuff like that so there might be a possibility that they might be linked together but i mean really at this point it's really only speculation but um most sources that i came across have basically dismissed the idea of of this being a satanic ritual sacrifice to um appease satan is a load of nonsense. So I agree that there's, there's nothing in terms of Satanism rooted here. That's just a, a baseless conspiracy theory uh, just promoted again by the ever so truthful news sources of TikTok and YouTube, where people seem to get their news sources nowadays instead of a legitimate news source. But who am I to say, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so in the next segment, we'll get ready to talk about the issue of racism and white evangelical um, Christianity. So that's going to be a very eye-opening discussion. So we'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. All right, and welcome back, everybody. So in this segment of the show, we're going to be talking about the issue of racism in the modern church. So there's always been some discussion that there was an issue of racism as one of the quote-unquote original sins of the American church, but I wanted to share a couple of statistics to put things into perspective. According to an NBC News article, um, they cited a 2018 survey that that white Christians, including evangelical Protestants, mainline Protestants, and Catholics, were nearly twice as likely as religiously unaffiliated whites to say the killings of black men by police are isolated incidents rather than part of a a pattern of how police treat African Americans. And then another eye-opening statistic um, that was pointed out in this article is that white Christians are about as 30% more likely to say monuments to Confederate soldiers are symbols of Southern pride rather than symbols of racism. And they're also about 20 percentage points more likely to disagree with the following statement, and I quote, Generations of slavery and discrimination have created conditions that make it difficult for blacks to work their way out of the lower class. So to be clear, um, 20 percentage points higher. So white evangelical or white Christians in general are 20 percentage points more are hot, more 20 percentage points more likely to disagree with the statement that systemic conditions through slavery and Jim Crow caused a a huge obstacle for blacks to be able to work their way out of their current um, economic condition. So they tend to say that systematic race or systemic racism does not exist. Forgive me, I'm fumbling over my words. I cannot talk today, but um, so these are some very eye-opening statistics. So Cecil, I kind of want to pass it over to you. Um, what are your initial thoughts after hearing those statistics? What goes through your mind? Because you're 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 a black Christian, and I really value your perspective on it. What do you have to say on it? That's a good question. Um... Man, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I was definitely in uh, that, like, trying to process it, and, uh... Yeah, it's a lot to take in. It's overwhelming. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, this is, like, it is, like, we both, get, we both agree it's definitely overwhelming. Um, <laughs> I would say, like, you know, back in those days... Like they, like the people back then, like at that time, really believed that they thought what they were doing was right, and uh, you know, it's always depend. And you know, I, I think you can agree to this. Like it always depends on the environment and which uh, they were raised in, and uh, like was it their fault? Yes and no. It was their fault, but at the same time, they just learned it from their parents who learned it from 
their parents, their grandparents, and so on it just became a generational thing. And uh, you know, looking at what happened back then, it was just uh, like it's, it still makes me it still makes me sick to this day how uh, how white people back then treated uh, black people and uh, how we uh, and how we still. Uh, like how most uh, people still treat black people like as if like you can even walk down the street without uh, being harassed, uh, whether it be by another uh, person or by a cop, especially. Um, like it's still, it's, to this day, it still makes me uh, sick and uh, like just makes my skin tingle, you know? No, um... Absolutely, I would, I would definitely agree um, with the um, matter of what we're discussing. That racism is very um, prevalent within the church today, and it needs to be addressed now more than ever. With the uh, murder of Ahmad Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and others, and I mean, we we now have like the Kyle Rittenhouse trial going on, and all of these. Uh, different things i mean we see the rise of chaotic school board meetings across the country in addressing the matter of mask and covid 19 vaccine mandates the teaching of critical race theory and gender theory and other things in our school our schools classrooms across america it, it's just insane i mean i've i've seen it in different ways in my lifetime I've what I can't stand is how it seems there is this there is this kind of double think that's present that um were there some riots that broke out in 2020 yes um unfortunately there's bad seeds and and every event that happens unfortunately but the vast majority of the protests that were um, occurring across the nation after the murder of George Floyd. Um, I would say that those were peaceful protests, but then I usually find within churches in general that they're always regarded as rioters, that, all, that the only reason why they're doing this is to uh, cause destruction and to loot property and to steal stuff, or it's just composed of people who don't have jobs and don't want to work. Um, I, it makes me sick to my stomach to hear that. Um, I mean, even some people that I know personally will try to say that opposing racial injustice is being like anti-American and that you know that people are just trying to cast blame onto others because they don't want to that the black community doesn't want to pull themselves up by their bootstraps it's nonsense I hate it every time when I hear anything of that sort because it, it's it's racism it clearly is we see these systemic issues that have been present since slavery and Jim Crow it just has taken on different forms I don't know it just makes my blood boil whenever I hear your typical white Christian conservative talking about how um, 
how the guys who maybe shot Ahmad Arbery or whatever were supposedly just defending themselves and the evidence that's being presented just overwhelmingly contradicts that. I mean, he was just going for a jog, you know, and they're going to say, well, he, he would have been suspected of trespassing or something like that. It's it. I hate it. I I hate racism. I just hate it, hate it, hate it. Ugh. You, you know that me. Makes, I, yeah, that makes two of us right there. I I mean, so clearly we we see some numbers that have been truly eye-opening. And and I also kind of wanted to uh, bring up some other uh, statistics um, regarding the one of the biggest issues of systemic racism in the U.S. is is actually the <laughs> uh the prison population problem um so what i'm trying to f- figure out is according to okay so this is actually according to the bureau of justice statistics so according to the bureau of yeah according to the um bureau of of justice the prison population is as follows and this is from 2019 at the end of the year 2019 there were 214 white prisoners per 100,000 white residents in the u.s then there was 525 Hispanic prisoners per 100,000 Hispanic residents in the U.S. And then there was 1,096 black prisoners per 100,000 black residents. Okay, so 1,096 black prisoners per 100,000 black people to 214 white prisoners per 100,000 white residents in the United States. What are your thoughts when you hear that? Definitely crazy, but at the same time, not surprising because uh, over a thousand black people that are in prison are in prison based on the color of the skin alone and uh, and uh, like almost uh, 90% of them didn't even commit a crime. Um, 10% of them did, but the other uh, 90% didn't. I remember uh, I was watching a documentary on Steve Wilco's show. Uh, this one man, he was in prison for over 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. Uh, because in the 90s, apparently, he was he lived in, he still lives in Kansas, but at the time, like in mid-90s, around that time frame, he uh, like Somebody placed him at a somebody placed him at a scene where he was uh, where he was where he supposedly uh, murdered someone and uh, he was facing a life sentence. So it took him twelve times, but on that twelfth time, he was finally able to uh, to get he was finally able to get an appeal, and uh, they let him out, and to this day, he's doing very well. He's married. He has a daughter. Um, but when I, but overall, when I hear when I hear those statistics, it's just like 
like 90% of black people are in prison for a crime that they didn't commit because uh, because the white because the white person wants to put them in there because oh they're from the hood they should go to jail where it's like if a, if a white person was in the hood it's like oh yeah he didn't do it but this person right here he's black he did it and it just uh, that just yeah that right there that, that just makes my skin crawl yeah it it makes my skin crawl too and it just makes me overwhelmingly sick to my stomach when I hear that um when I was in school, sometimes I would, just not mentioning any names, I've known some people who were black that were just, they were judged harshly over minor stuff, and they would be um, given punishments uh, disproportionately higher compared to the offense that was committed. I've seen that on a consistent basis in my own personal experience. I mean, being in our school district, which we won't name and vice versa, just to keep everything confidential, of course, it it was very prevalent. I mean, would you say you've seen it in our school system where we went just not mentioning any names, of course? I would, I would, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, uh, I would say so. Um, cause I know for, for us and when we were in high school at the time, it was, it was, uh, different than like compared to, uh, than compared to, uh, right. than compared to now, um, in high school, we, I know we had like some people that we dealt with, like maybe a couple of bullies here and there, but nothing like too serious, but as far as like, but as far as like now, it's like like someone's being bullied, and uh, like some of them are uh, being driven to suicide. It's just like it's just like far worse than what we did than like what than what we've uh, went through like when we were teenagers. And it's like this is uh, this is not right at all. Like we should be uh, like we we should be doing like we should be trying to teach people that uh that racism is wrong and uh we need to teach them the positive way and like how united united we can do anything and everything together like yeah we're gonna have disagreements but we can be united like on on a common ground sure absolutely and i i mean I mean, sometimes I wonder if we were ever truly the United States in the first place, you know, because, I mean, it could technically be said we're the United States in the sense that the state, the bodies of the states came together to form one federal government. But have we ever truly been united in terms of our racial unity and crossing the color barrier probably not I mean do you think we've ever been united in that capacity I would have to say the same thing like I think uh, while it's true that there are most people out most people out there that uh, that we that would uh, unite with us to end uh, racism um, 
I don't like it would have to be like a yes and no uh, answer like yes there are some people that uh, do want to unite with us to uh, end, re- end racism other people are just fine with the uh, with the way things are sure now to kind of bring it to a more personal level and of, of course we've heard of you know people talk about the white church and the black church and the hispanic church and churches that are basically separated by racial or ethnic group do you think over the years just from your personal experience do you think that churches have become more diverse or do you think we're still stuck in being in that white church black church chinese church vietnamese church you know the the church category is divided based on um our our um ethnic identity or skin color that's a good question um i think uh well it's true that there are some churches out there that uh that will focus on just like the uh like will focus on the skin color alone um i know there's a variety of churches out there that uh that do focus on like getting god's word out there like preaching to uh like you know like whether you're you're white african hispanic latino uh asian uh whatever race or creed you may be um like they want to spread they want to let everybody know like God is God is for real um he loves you so much that uh he came to live with you he uh he's there for you whenever you're in over your head and uh he gave like he sent his one only son to be there for us and to and like he he uh took all of our mistakes up on the cross and uh like yeah he died but uh he rose again from the dead 72 hours later and uh the first uh, place he went to was, uh, if I remember correctly, after Jesus rose from the dead, he went to uh, see his uh, disciples to let them to let him to let them know that uh, he's still alive and he's gone into heaven, so he can prepare a place for not only them but for everybody that calls upon. I believe he was, yes, he did go to um, his disciples to see them, and he actually, I believe, stayed on the earth for about um, 40 or 50 days after, and then he ascended up into heaven, and and then um, the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost, and the New Testament church was born and whatnot, but, I mean, you know, I've, in my own personal experience, in one church that I used to go to, I would have to say that, according to the stereotypical mold, it was definitely a white church because, I mean, there were some people who were very welcoming to um, anybody who was of a of of my of a different skin color or vice versa, and I mean, I made sure that they were warmly greeted and loved and all that because I knew there was people within that old church I used to go to that would judge them and say that they they're not they're not the type of person that we are or vice versa i mean 
that racism element really became present in the 2016 presidential election with the inflammatory rhetoric that was being cast on all sides. And it was just awful. Like I knew a couple of friends who were Hispanic who were judged and criticized harshly by other white people within the church that I went to. They were ruthless and I'm. it was horrible. So I would say, unfortunately, the church is still very much divided. And I'm hoping that we can come together as the body of Jesus Christ to truly get past this egregious sin of racism and finally become united as the church. I'm getting tired of it. And I really want to see the best for everybody, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, so anyway, um... We're going to get ready to take another break here and then um, just uh, go into our final concluding segment and just give some final thoughts before we conclude uh, today's show. And then uh, we'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So. Uh, Today has been a really fascinating show, and we've been um, engaging in some uh, very um, controversial topics on today's program, but we here on The Reconciled Mind, we want to do our best to address the issues by thinking critically and biblically. So, so Cecil, one of the last questions that I wanted to ask your thoughts on was, what do you think we as the Church of Jesus Christ can do to to come together like how do you think we can make that a practical reality um definitely we we definitely need to come together of course um one of the ways that we can do that is uh you know just just invite everybody doesn't matter like what uh color you are what your race your uh your religion and let them know Hey, uh, my name is so and so, and uh, this is the uh, and welcome to our welcome to uh, our church, God's church. Because when you think about it, like the, we are the church, because the church is part of the community, and uh, without the without the uh, church or the community, it is it is almost uh, impossible to do anything. It's definitely, of course, impossible to do anything without God, but without the support of uh, those around you, you're gonna be. It's gonna be a matter of like, how are you gonna respond to that? I think. Um, but uh, what I think what we should do is uh, let people know. Hey, let me tell you about uh, our history, so that way you got an idea of uh, of what to expect and. Uh, how you want to how you want to go from there because if they don't know the history then how are they going to uh how are they going to trust you and uh the most important thing is to let everybody know the like your uh history with the church um maybe a little bit more of your like personal history like history like how you uh how you uh got to know god and kind of like how you got to this point um that's kind of like how we started off with, and then uh, that way, whoever whoever's there, they got an idea of what to expect, and they can figure out how they want to proceed. Like if they if they think uh, this is something this is something worth pursuing, then that's pretty cool. 
if they if they don't want to pursue it, at least they got like somewhat of the uh, somewhat of an idea of what to expect. So even if they don't uh, necessarily pursue it, at least they uh, heard what we had to say. Sure, absolutely. That's a very good insight. You know, if there was a few things that we could do, I believe that would be paramount for us to overcome the color barrier to come together as the body of Christ. I would say we should aim to really engage one another in discussion. And I mean, in school board meetings across the country, we see all of this divisive rhetoric about people you know a bunch of angry parents are coming into these meetings saying that their children are being force-fed like critical race theory and that they're teaching racism things like that but honestly what i would actually if i had control or if it was me as an educator i would actually want to teach critical race theory conventional American history and the 1619 project uh, together so that the students could learn about each theory of interpreting history and then allow them to think critically for themselves. Because by doing that, I honestly believe we'd be able to learn that much more about what the other side of the discussion is saying and then we would be able to have more of a mutual understanding about why the issue of racial injustice in America is still more alive today as much as it was if not more so than well maybe not it's I don't want to say anything to divide people or anything like that but racism is still a huge egregious problem in this country today and it hasn't gone away. It's probably only gotten worse in the past number of decades since the civil rights movement and Jim Crow. I mean, a lot of work needs to be done. And I would want people to be able to learn about different interpretations of history to be able to think critically for themselves. It's important that we learn the other side of what, so that we can learn from the perspective of others maybe a fitting conclusion would be to see how jesus um interacted with people that weren't part of his um social class or racial background um we could probably cite a whole bunch of them uh jesus ministered to the samaritan woman at the well uh we have the parable of the good samaritan where the samaritan was seen as the hero and the reason why that issue is significant is because Samaritans were seen as proverbial dogs by the Jews of the day, the Hebrew population in Jerusalem, because uh, the Samaritans were a group that were considered a mixed race that um, intermarried with some of the basically after the Assyrians came and captured the uh, 10 lost tribes of Israel and scattered them across the empire at the time in the Assyrian Empire. Um, there were some Jews who stayed behind and they actually ended up intermarrying with the Assyrians and that led to um, the genesis of the Samaritans. So the the Jews saw themselves saw them as dogs. And so 
for Jesus to speak in these terms was radical. Not to mention, um, a lot of historians assert that um, Simon of Cyrene, who helped Jesus carry the cross, was actually black because I believe it was a region in Africa or something to that effect. So, I mean, we see these elements of racial boundaries being crossed by the Lord and Savior, and I think it's high time that we finally took notice. I agree. And the only way we're going to begin to do that is by getting back to the root of showing the love of Jesus Christ to everybody without question. I agree. There, absolutely. Um, did you have any final thoughts before we conclude? Yeah, just, uh, you know, again, my uh, thoughts and prayers are with the... Uh, with the families that lost uh, loved ones, uh, and out of the uh, like out of the fifty thousand people that were there, like I know you said like three hundred, like three hundred plus people were injured, and uh, you know definitely want to wish them a speedy recovery. And uh, absolutely, you know it's just uh, what happened shouldn't have happened, but uh, hopefully. Um, we can like we can learn we can learn from this so that way this doesn't happen again and uh, we can uh, like not only that we can also uh, overall just be united in a like whether it be a common interest or a common bond like whatever uh, whatever it may be like we stand united like when we work together. Of course, we're not always going to agree on everything, but I know most people would agree that uh, most people would definitely agree with us that racism needs to end, and that's something that needs to happen, like here and now. Yes, it's not going to happen overnight, but it definitely needs to happen. Absolutely. Well, guys, we just want to say thank you for uh, just being on our listening on our show today to this very um, insightful discussion. And we hope that this will equip you and encourage you to address the matter of racism if it's a problem within your local church assemblies out there. But we encourage you, please make do your best to make Galatians 3.28 a reality where there is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free nor male nor female, for we are all one in Christ jesus always show the love of christ to everybody without question and just do everything to do as christ would because where were we before christ i believe paul asked that let that question sink into your mind and we just hope that you guys are richly blessed in the fullest rich spiritual riches of the kingdom of God in your lives. And we can't, we can't wait to talk to you guys next time. So, um, Cecil, uh, thanks for joining today and we hope to talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. God bless you all. And we'll see you next time.